listening to the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. And welcome to another edition of the Autism 411 podcast here from the South Florida Autism Charter School. I'm John Roger, alongside your host, Dr. Tamara Moody. How are you, Dr. Moody? I am well. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction, Mr. Roger. Well, we're always glad to do so. And we have another exciting podcast for our listeners today. Uh, this one, getting a chance to share some knowledge about uh, ABA therapy and having a therapist in the home. Yes, I am. I've always been a big believer that, you know, that village, you're going to hear me talk about this village every single time you hear me on this podcast and I think the therapists um, have a big big spot in that village um, with a great therapist so much can be accomplished by your student and I have one of the most amazing master level behavior Alice that I've ever worked with um, here today that um, I would love to kind of pick his brain a bit and hopefully he could share some of his expertise. And who is this, who is with us today? Frank Rodriguez, who have worked with me for many years. I'm sure Frank is going to tell you how long that has been, but he's been a part of my village for a very long time, and um, an amazing teacher, amazing therapist, and just a good good man. Hello, Frank. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. How are you? Good. Likewise, Mrs. Amuli. So, why don't you introduce yourself and just let folks know what you do, and um, and then we could talk about how we met and how you know how this, this awesome relationship that we have um, has developed over the years. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Frank Rodriguez. I'm a behavior analyst, and I work for SFAX as a consultant. Um, I've been doing it for about four years, and I also was a teacher at SFAX for about four years as well. And um, so you're, 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 you're keeping something secret. So if you add the four and the four, that's eight years, but I've known you well before then. We have a history, so you all know that's listening uh, today. Frank and I um, met years ago when I was a director of the private school that he was one of the teachers there. And, um, and I was so pleased when Frank came and applied to be at um, SFAX when we first opened, and he stayed with us for a couple of years. One of the best, best instructor I've ever had still is. And I remember the day he came and told me that, you know, he really loved working with his population, but he would like to go and, and try something different. I was like, no way, you have to come back. So when I found out that Frank was, um, you know, he was now a master level behavior analyst. And, um, and I, who wouldn't want Frank to be back? Because he knew the students already. We had history working together. So in total, we've worked together for... Um, I would say about 16 years. 16 years now. And anyone who's worked with me past four years, yeah. I would say, like, we're, we're, we have that four-year itch, you know? That after four years, like, no, I think I've had enough of Dr. Moody. So anyone who's worked with me for past... I worked in this field for past three years. Um, really is a gifted person because it, you know the burnout rate for working with this population is super high, and I'm so happy that you're with me here today. So I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to talk about home programs, but I also felt that you'd be the best person to talk about home program as well as school program because we've been doing this together for so long. I haven't been in a home. Um, for about maybe 17 years now. I haven't done home programs, but I know that you're still doing those. And um, one of the things for me 
that I struggle with, and maybe you can help me with this, is that I feel like if I'm doing A, B, and C at the school setting, the parents should be able to do A, B, and C at home as well. Maybe a little bit different, you know, so the students could generalize, um, but it should be, we should be on the same page. So what's your view on that? Yeah, that's something that I say quite often, um, that the behavioral programs at home, they rarely, use any feedback from like the IEP that all the students have. So that's something that I would encourage all the parents to like kind of like have in mind when when doing a, a behavioral program at home or we're doing like the initial assessment to like bring that up to to the behavior analysts, you know, like so they can get involved and have like the same behavior programs that they have at home kind of like, you know, like match what the parents and the teachers are doing in the school. Mm-hmm. And I know like schools like ours that were so ABA infused, like for the minute a child come out of their car, we are, we're encouraging communication and so forth. Um, how, how do you like foster those relationships in the school that may not want therapists there? Like I personally don't think it's, it's the right setting for therapists from the home to come into the school, but I do believe that they should come and see what we're doing. Um, I think if for our setting, it's, it's difficult because we're, we're a three to one ratio. We have a lot of us in the classroom already. Bringing a therapist to work with the student while in the classroom, I think it will be difficult if ever parent wanted it. But so if, 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 how can they get to do that in the, like, what would the benefit be if a therapist just come and observe and bring it back in the home? Like, what is the, the benefit? Like, I mean, it goes back to like a continuity of services. Like that way the, the, the therapist can see whatever is working at school and then apply it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, because we often get that problem. I mean, me, for example, as somebody that works here as a consultant, but also works at home with parents, I get a lot of, um, Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't have this behavior at home, or he doesn't have this behavior at school. So I'm like, there is something that is, you know, like wrong. Yeah. And we need to work in terms of like, okay, whatever is working at school, we need to do it at home. And if something is working at home and it's not working at school, we need to like kind of like get that um, um, for kind of like the home program at the school well, to, to be on the, and to be together and to be on the same page because it doesn't benefit the student if okay, you know, like. I'm come to, I come to school and I'm, you know, I go to the toilet at school, but then when I go home, like I don't use the toilet. So, I mean, yeah. what's going on that we're doing this right at school, but we're not doing it at home? Yeah. And I, I mean, you have to say, but sometimes it's the audience. Our kids know who they can and, or they should or should not do certain things with. And it's also, I think it plays into the reinforcement as well. Like what is reinforcing at school or what's reinforcing at home that's not reinforcing at school. But if I was a parent, um, since I have not done home program in a very long time, how would I even start? My child just got diagnosed, right? And I want to, to have this ABA house. Like what would be the first thing that uh, you feel, your professional feel like a, a parent should be looking for? Because I, I mean, I have my own views. I, I, I think, and maybe, you know, you could tell me if you disagree, but I just believe that whoever is coming in your home has to be a part of the village. For me, it's so important. Like, I know parents go and they get therapists from these different um, companies. Um, I just feel consistency is, is important. 
you know, having that person buy into the home, be a part of. When I did home program, I felt like I was a part of everybody's home that I I um, that I went into. Um, I feel like if you're a therapist, you have to be flexible and you have to be flexible minded. I am not one. I never did. And if you talk to anyone who I did home program with, I never taught around the table. Like that was never a thing for me. If, you know, I would teach around a dining room table, I would teach outside by the pool. I would teach out like wherever it is, because we're home. And I always felt that there needs to be a separation from home and school. Not everybody does it that way. And I'm not saying one way is right from the, but how, like, but how does a parent, how do you decide on how that is supposed to look like, what that's supposed to look like. I mean, you have to take into consideration kind of like the dynamics of the home. Do you have any siblings? Are the siblings on board with the therapy? Are the siblings disruptive? Are the siblings younger, older? How many people live at home? Um, Also, in terms of the therapist, sometimes it's not just about the qualifications of the therapist. It's like how how does the therapist you know like how do they match with your child yeah i have worked with like incredible therapists and if they're not the right match for a child like the progress is not there yeah i can see that happening um it's almost as if it's it's because i said it's they're part of the village if they are not going to be able to be a part of that village it's it's no it's yeah i get it um but my i have a you know i believe and, and, and you're probably going to kick me by, by me saying that. I also feel like when a child goes home, they should be, they should be a child. Like if they're in a school like ours, and I'm not, I, let me just make sure I'm, I'm saying this correctly. I have no problem with home programs. I think home programs are important to generalize skills being taught in the school setting at home. I think that there needs to be that follow through. But I also feel like, and, and, and that's one side of what I believe. The other side of what I believe is that if I, if my child is learning that this is a car and you're going to say point to the car and my child is going to point to the car at a table at school, when they go home, it should be pointing to an actual car. Like, you know, because it should be taught in more the natural environment. So I understand you're saying about you have to look at the dynamics, but I, I, I just believe, I just feel like that you can get so much more out of a child if they're not sitting around a table for another three hours like they were earlier at school. Yeah, personally, I don't believe I actually that, you know, like the home program should be an extension of the school. Like, you know, like like you say, like once they're at home, they should be allowed to be, you know, kids. Yes. You know, like you should work on other other skills other than, you know, academic skills once you get home, you know, like socialization skills, uh, play skills. Play skills are incredibly important and and it doesn't get done a lot. One, one of the things that parents said to me, um, a parent have always said to me over the years was that I can't take a shower, Dr. Moody. How do I take a shower? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't even I can't even go get the mail because I have to be keeping an eye on, on, on little Johnny. And in my mind, those are some of the things that therapists could be working on when they're in a home program, like you said, teaching our student how to play on their own, how to be independent on their own, how to like um, engage themselves so mom could actually wash her hair without you know, having him sitting in the bathroom with her while she wash, wash her hair. So like, what would that look like though? I mean, um, 
play skills are important in terms of like like you said like you know like it gives the parents a little bit more freedom to do like um all the other stuff that they have to do like i mean like take a shower um cook attend to the other siblings um so if you have a therapist at home it's very important for like the therapist to use that time in terms of like okay we're going to teach you like play play skills you know like does your child like basketball you know like we're going to teach you to like basketball you know by yourself so when you're like when mommy is like taking a shower you can you know like you can be outside in the backyard you know playing basketball shooting hoops or you know working on a puzzle working on with legos like doing things that we're going that are going to keep the child occupied mm-hmm. and that are beneficial to the child but they're also beneficial to the parents in terms of like giving the parents some uh, freedom to to do like the home yeah and, and to be a parent to the other children in the home as well um so back years ago 20 plus years ago when i did a home program um one of the things that i i liked was the flexibility from the parents that I worked with, that I was able to do walks. And I found that I got a lot done when it was being very casually taught, um, when it wasn't so like structured. I don't know, we, we hear all the time that we're supposed to be structured and we're supposed to keep our kids you know, on these routine and these schedules. But for me, I remember when I did it, I was more successful when I just tried things on the whim. I went with what was happening at that moment um, with our children. So if a parent now would like to start a home program and they'd like to find a person like you, how do they go about doing that? Because I get phone calls all the time. Dr. Moody, I need to find a good therapist. Dr. Moody, I need someone to come into my home. Like, is it difficult to find therapists, a trained therapist? Like how, you know, like I'm trying to figure out, like if someone is listening, you know, and they just got the diagnosis for their child, like, you know, should they be looking for an ABA person right away? Should they be getting trained themselves to do it themselves? Like, what do you recommend? And again, folks who are listening, this is just, you know, our opinion. There's no right or wrong answer here. We just want to share our experience and who I consider to be some of the best in the community. And I believe that Frank's um, opinion and his expertise and, and, and his experience is really beneficial to all of us. I mean, I would definitely recommend like finding a, an ABA program. I mean, that's that's one of the first things that I would do. Finding an ABA program. Uh, there's a lot of information out there, uh, and trying to find an ABA program that matches your your child's specific needs. But also, I would recommend for every parent to like um, kind of like get as much information for themselves to train themselves to be therapists. In my experience. Um, the most successful programs that I have witnessed uh, is when uh, parents are very trained and very uh, flexible in terms of like um, working with the child themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. like you can't just leave it up to to the behavior therapist and the behavior analyst. And once those uh, individuals are out of your house, then you're like, okay, I don't know what to do now like you're completely helpless yeah um i uh i remember when i did home program um i would like assess the student and i always had other folks that was a part of the home program depending on how many hours we were given um our students so i may do like four hours monday and wednesday another person from the same company would do like two or three hours it just depends right on the student and their age of course and um and if the child was in school, the amount of hours that we were able to give. 
And there, um, I, I remember a couple of the pro, a couple of the things that we first started out with is like communication, social skills, positive behavior, independent play, and daily living skill. We did some cognitive skills as well, um, as well as we participated in the everyday routine and now that i look back i thought that the three out of everything that i just said that was super important was communication and i think that the everyday routine like you know getting up brushing your teeth doing those things the life skill of course is really good um and the social skills like you said is, is also very good not to say that behavior isn't good as well but i remember i didn't really have a lot of kids who had behaviors in the home because I felt like those other skills were, you know, they knew how to play independently. They had a form of communication. So we didn't really see a lot of behaviors because of that. Is that still the way how things are? Like, how do you guys start a program? Do you assess the student and then come up with the skills or just the parents tell you what they would like you to work on in the home? I mean, I typically, uh, when I go to, to a home, like I do like the initial assessment and we kind of like, you know, like have an idea, so we can have an idea what the child needs. Mm -hmm. And we come up with some goals, but I also always try to involve the parents, okay? Like, I believe that these goals are important, but I also want to know, like, what goals are important to you? Yeah. I mean, I think that if parents don't buy into what you're doing, Oh no, definitely. Like, everybody everybody in the house has to be has to involved. Buy, yeah. So I feel like, um, just like teachers can, parents also can undo everything that we are doing in the home. And if that's the case, it just really makes it difficult. And then you will see the lack of um, progress. So what can a parent do to really maintain the program? Like, what would you suggest that they do? Like, I, for example, I'll just use me for a second. You know, I've been telling folks that I don't have a, a child with autism, but I do have three young children at home. And I can't be the therapist for my kids. I, I have to hire outside folks to come in and do tutoring with my kids because I think God, they would drive me crazy, right? So a parent who has children or a child with autism at home and, and it's having such a difficult time teaching their kids, what would be like the, the thing that you would tell them to do to be able to do it? Because they can't just leave it for that therapist to come in and teach. They also need to play that role. Um, definitely observe the sessions. Perfect. I mean, I understand that, you know, like as, as a parent myself, you know, like sometimes you don't have enough, you know, a lot of time. And, you know, I've seen it happen way too often where parents, you know, like when that person comes into the house, it's like, okay, you're going to be working with my child and I'm going to like kind of like do everything else that I need to do. Um, I would recommend to observe the sessions. I mean, at least if you do only for half an hour, observe the mm -hmm. sessions, take notes, and at the end of the session, ask questions. Um, I work with plenty of parents that at the end of a session, I ask them, do you have any questions for me? And they never have a question for me. And I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure, like I did a lot of things. You should have plenty of questions. And again, in my experience, um, the more questions the parent asks, the more they observe the, the therapist working with the, uh, with the child, the more successful the program is going to be. And the more prepared those parents are going to be once they don't have the therapist helping once them. Once they don't have the therapist. And I think that it's, folks out there, it's so important that you know that you are the strongest, most reinforcing person for your child. So sometimes things that your child will do for you, they may not necessarily do for the therapist and vice versa, depending on how, you know, those kind of... Um, 
motivation, how motivated the child is. So you brought up words like reinforcer. We talked about motivation. We talked about generalization. So for folks who may not understand what it is that we're talking about, what do you mean by reinforcement? I mean, reinforcement is basically... Um Anything that your child does that you want him to like or her to to replicate and do it more often, you want to like uh, find the things that the child likes, and as soon as they um, do that, the behavior that you that you're expecting or the behavior that you kind of like want your child to do, like immediately uh, present that that item or action to them. I mean, it can be a hug, it can be um, a kiss, it can be a, a toy, it can be just social praise in terms of like saying, you know, like good jobs on. So anything that the child would like, you want to use that to your advantage. So as soon as a behavior occurs, you want to like present that um, so-called reinforcement. Okay, so par- so your paycheck is kind of like your reinforcer in some ways, you know, going home and your house is clean, you know, your spouse clean the house and you don't have to go home and clean as a reinforcer because most likely you will uh, do whatever it is that you did to, to get that kind of uh, treatment. Generalization. So I brought it up earlier, but you're the expert here. How important is generalization? Generalization goes back to like where, what we were talking about earlier in terms of like um, having you know like um, therapies observe what's going on at school and, and vice versa. Um, so you want whatever is happening in one setting happens in another setting, mm-hmm. and and the same goes to like um, you know if your child performs certain actions for a therapist and then he or she doesn't do it once that person leaves. There's no generalization there. You want them to like, okay, once a therapist leaves and I said to my child, okay, come and sit down, he will listen to you. So that's kind of what generalization is. Like the child will listen to like everybody. Okay. And um, I did a, a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago that I spoke about ABA. And I, I mentioned to our parents that, or the folks that's listening, that ABA is, for me, it's like the study of the human behavior, um, behavior right? That ABA, to me, is not one of those hidden gems. It's what we do every day. You know, you, you walk up to someone and the person politely say hello, you say hello back, you know. Um, you just reinforce that person by responding back, right? Um, and then we could get in the whole technical terms of it. I didn't really do that. But I wanted them to know that ABA is what we do. We do it. We just don't realize that that is um, what we're doing. And we may not understand the name of what we just... We're having a conversation here. We're doing a lot of intraverbals here. We're going yeah. back and forth, right? Um, but in your w- words, why ABA? Like, why become... Uh, you are an awesome teacher. You still are. <laughs> like, why did you decide um, to... To, you know, what makes a person want to be a master level behavior analyst and um, and why ABA? Because there's all these different treatments that's out there. So I just gave you two questions. So I mean, uh, I've always, you know, even when I was a teacher, I was always like a firm believer that, I mean, in, in order for a child to learn, they have to perform, um, they have to like have certain like skills, like, you know, attending skills so to speak like is a child able to sit down if you have a a child that doesn't sit down even if the child is really smart it's 
it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to like teach that child as uh, effectively as you would if the child is sitting down and is listening and is paying attention to you. So uh, I've always believed that you know like behavior is very important in terms of like um, learning skills. Okay. So you have to get those behavior skills, you know, like really reinforced per, per se, and then before you actually start like teaching and be able to like. Uh, for the child to like really, really take a um, take advantage of that teaching that is that he's getting. So, in terms of like, so is that your reason why ABA? Because I'm just curious, like you know, well, there's all these things that's out there that you could actually have gone into if yeah. you really wanted to do that, but you chose you chose to be a, a master's level. I know that the reason why I wanted SFAC to be an ABA-infused school um, using the mythology here is because I believe in the signs. I um, I love data taking. I love to look at. I think that it shows the change. When you, when you can see change in the data collection part of it and so forth. And I just think it's the fact that it's, of course, scientifically you know proven. It's, it's uh, But was there something... Well, to me, like I, it goes back to like, I, I was going to be a math teacher. Mm-hmm. And I actually did it for a few few years. Um, my initial master was going to be in psychology, and ABA kind of is um, it's kind of like where psychology and math meet. So it's like very like uh, data driven, very data oriented. Um, you cannot serve in terms of. Um, you can actually see the progress, and you can see when you know, like the progress is like uh, stagnating and you're not advancing. Mm-hmm. So you can actually like go back to the point where we can like modify certain things in the program, and we can get that progress going again. That I feel like in all the areas of of psychology, you you don't really get, especially for our for our children. For our um, children, definitely. Many of them are non-verbal, so you, they can verbalize what they're feeling. What they're feeling. So you have to rely basically on like their behavior, and that goes back to like observing so obs- and taking data. So that observation part of it, I, I get it. I never thought of it that way. I'm gonna take that though. Okay. <laughs> it's like putting math and, and 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 psychology together because you can observe the behavior with our non-verbal children. So from there, you can decide on collecting a data that can show you or tell you, well, you know, little Johnny is crying around 11.30 every day and there's no particular reason. Well, now little Johnny used to have lunch at 11 when he was in elementary school, but the data show you now he's in middle school and lunchtime is later, he could be hungry because his that internal clock that most of our kids have yeah. is saying I'm supposed to have lunch at 11 o'clock and, and that could be uh, the reason. Yeah, that, that, that uh, never thought of it that way. So I started to do some research because I know we were going to be talking to kind of see in hiring a therapist since you're in there and I can, you're in the, the workforce out there going into folks at home. If I'm new and I'm trying to figure out what should I be looking for, so one of the things that I I said, if I was a parent with autism, has a child with autism, one of the things that I'd be looking for is, and you could tell me if my, my top five is what you would look for, someone with some experience to come into my home. You know, um, I would want to know, like, how committed is this person? You know, as in, are they able to give me the hours that I need because I know my child needs consistency? I also would be looking at, you know, speaking. 
if I could so you know speak to families that this person has worked for before, I think it's um, it's important. And you know, what are our boundaries? Like, what happens if um, I go on vacation? Like, am I gonna lose my therapist? If I go on vacation, you know, uh, I know that this field has um, had an upward tick since the pandemic, since a lot of folks have been needing people to come into their home. But what happens when we go back to reality and kids start going back to school? What is going to happen to our kids? So knowing what people do when it comes on to, you know, um, time off and sick time and so forth, I think it's important. Um, but more than anything else, I... I think I would want to know how do you deal with misbehaving, like how what's your what's your feel on um, on behaviors? Would you add anything else to that when you're looking for a therapist? Um, definitely. I mean, like you definitely want to know what's a previous what what previous experience does a therapist have with like a, a behavior, mm-hmm. and and it only, and it also goes back to not only like a therapist. I would say also like a behavior analyst. Yes. As a behavior analyst, if I'm working in a case where I don't have experience, um, for example, I don't have a lot of experience with feeding programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I feel like your main concern is a feeding program, I usually tend to um, recommend you something else, somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and it goes back to, to that kind of like, okay, what is your expertise? What is your previous experience? And in terms of therapists, you, you want to know that and you also want to kind of like have an idea what's the commitment like. Yeah. Um, you know, especially therapists tend to be, you know, on the younger side, you uh-huh. know, most therapists are very young. Um, don't be shy to ask like, you know, like, are you going to college? What are you studying? Um, again, this goes back to like, you know, this is not like a, my prof- a professional opinion or, the, or it's like, a, like the Bible in terms of like, okay, do this. But in my experience, um, if you have a therapist that is working, uh, if it's going to college and it's like, um, so in, you know, wants to become a special education teacher, a behavior analyst uh, or a psychologist, they, you can tell that they are committed to to what to they the, yeah. to what they're doing and they want to help their ch- your child and because that's something that they're planning to do for the rest, for of, their their rest life, of their life you know and if you have a therapist that is like oh, you know I'm doing this but I'm studying to be a financial analyst um might not be the right fit for you yeah because their commitment is is to something else they're not really committed to learning the science of ABA and to like implement programs like you know the right way much of what I look for in hiring a teacher in our school, great point. Um, you know, I, I want to end by just letting parents know, and I don't know if Frank has um, anything, you know, last words to say, but I want to say this, you know, reinforce your therapist's parents. Not saying to go buy them a jog or anything like that, but let them know that they're doing a good job. Ask them about the sessions, you know, um, you know, just like your kids need reinforcement, your therapists need reinforcement too. And I, I don't know, when I did home program, I love when parents ask me, so how was the session? You know, did anything new happen today? It wasn't just me jotting down my notes and just, bye, I'm done. Um, uh, would you think that that is a good? Yes, that's a good way. And also um, show the therapist that whatever they're doing, 
that you're also doing at home. Like mm-hmm. therapists love to see that that type of continuity of services. Like, okay, you know, like I'm working with the shower and potty training, and you know, like, but as soon as I leave the home, the parent puts a diaper on. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a slap in the face of the therapist, honestly. Yeah, no, so, no, I, I see that. I've seen it over the years, like with, you know, a child has a behavior at school, and then, you know, you're telling the parents that, you know, little Johnny bit his classmate today. At the same time, the parents are putting uh, McDonald's in their hand, and yeah. Yeah, I get it. I I've I've lived through that. I still live through that. Uh, parents, that's a no no. Uh, but I do believe that you're saying is encourage or overlap. Let parents see that. Um, let the the therapy see that you are you know overlapping on something. Yeah, that you do that you're doing like what what the therapists are doing because they can see like okay you know like this parent really cares. Yeah. And, and you want to keep your, your therapist motivated. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a job with like a really, really high turnover ratio, so you want to keep your therapist like, very motivated. Perfect. All right, Frank, so, so happy that uh, you came on. Um, would you be able to come on again? Because oh, folks are going to... Definitely. <laughs> folks, folks are going to have questions, and if they have questions, they know that they can reach out to me at info at sfax.org and I'll be able to get you in touch with, with Frank and of course we have a very uh, active social media um, with our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and if you'd like to hear more of Frank or myself please tune in because um, we were going to be doing more of this and um, and we, we're, we've we been successful because we have Frank a part of our SFAX village he's a part okay. of our team and um and we would love to be able to help you out there. So if you have any questions uh, about what we talked about today or any input, feel free to contact us. Well, that was exciting, Dr. Moody. Always a gl- uh, pleasure to uh, be able to hear, you know, what, what what's going on in our community, people that we, we, we see on a regular basis, but a lot of folks that are listening may not get a chance to talk to, and that is, you know, the ABA therapist. Yes. If they haven't done so yet or haven't uh, signed up to get an ABA therapist, it's good insight to know other things you need to do to uh, to have the right therapist in your home. Yes, I mean, I think that it's important to have a great therapist in your home. Um, I'm sure you heard when Frank says, you know, it's, it's that fit. It's, it's like, you know, you can't just, if your child is allergic to certain dogs, you can't just go get that dog and bring him in your home. It would be not a right fit for the family because your son will always be sick or your daughter will always be sick. Um, not to compare a therapist with a dog, <laughs> uh, but it, it's really, 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 really important that you have the right people in your home and that you don't take it for granted and that you should never be that desperate that you just pick the first person who come into your home. I feel like it should be an interview process. And there's really important things that you need to look at that Frank and I spoke about. And again, I, I really think that home programs are beneficial. I think it's just in the manner in which it's implemented. And of course, you know, therapists have to work with what they have. Not everyone has like a swing or a backyard that the child can go out and work. But you work with what you have and you do your very best. And at the end of the day, it's when someone comes into your home, it's to, it's to give them the, the skills they need to be independent individual in the future. And if that's not happening, then you have the wrong person in your home. You know, another thing that we didn't really touch upon, but I'm sure we will in a, in a future podcast, is when you're picking an ABA therapist, um, there's also, you know, the, the situation with your type of insurance when you're yes. looking at these companies. Because there's many different companies out there. Uh, and there will be ones that, you know, for, for folks that are in the lower income brackets that work with Medicaid and 
CMS. There's ones for the higher income bracket that uh, you have a private pay or mm-hmm. ones that you have a corporate company that you have insurance through. So each one has its own different way of being paid for. So, and I know that uh, that was one of the topics you said uh, coming later in our mm-hmm. programs that we're going to talk about is how to deal with insurance. So how to deal with insurance. I plan on bringing a social worker in to talk to you folks um, later on in um, in one of our uh, podcasts and and parents are paying you know if they have to pay out of pocket it could run them a lot of money it's like sending a child to to college you Mm -hmm. know so it's it's really important that um people understand the services that they can get and and hopefully with my upcoming um, podcast I'll be able to provide those information to 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 my listeners very good well dr. Tamara Moody is the host of this program autism 411 and again you can find this and many other podcasts that we've done up on our uh, website at sfax.org and again if they want to ask you any questions or if they want to reach out to Frank as well how can they uh, do so so if they'd like to reach out to Frank or my info at sfacs.org feel free to send shoot us a quick email we'll get back to you as quickly as possible or if you follow us on any of our social media you'll be able to send us messages that way um you know i like to joke that um I answer all my emails, which I do, but I answer my phone even faster. But yes, I'm not going to be giving out my phone number on <laughs> our podcast. But yes, if you go to our website, you'll be able to see ways that you can get in touch with us as well. Very good. Dr. Tamara Moody, and this is Autism 411. Thank you so much, and we look forward to another edition coming soon. Thank you. This has been the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. To learn more, visit sfacs.org.